Welcome to Beyond Strength and Endurance. We are starting a new episode series here on programming. Uh, I am the head coach of BSE, Kyle Holman. Uh, so programming, um, whether you're a coach or not a coach, uh, or you're just curious about either programming for clients or, or a gym or even yourself, um, we're going to talk about the first thing uh, that I always talk about in programming, and that is programming for longevity. I mean, look, this is a, a lifelong pursuit. Uh, to improve your strength and fitness and, and just honestly be an overall healthier human being. Um, and so we want to program appropriately for ourselves or for clients or gyms that allows us to continue to do this for the next 5, 10, 15 plus years. Um, and there are several things that go into that. Uh, I'll use an example uh, for any of you uh, Iowa Hawkeyes or Colts fans, you'll, you'll know the name Bob Sanders. Um, man, unbelievable game-changing talent when he was on the field. Um, even if you don't know him, I mean, just imagine having all the strength and skill you wanted, but uh, you weren't allowed to, to put it to use. Uh, that'd be frustrating, right? I mean, all the speed, power, strength, and endurance in the world doesn't matter if you're not consistently healthy enough to use it. Uh, so similarly, programming training correctly should progress athletes uh, or yourself to consistently breaking personal records without breaking uh, their bodies or your body. Uh, so we're going to talk about 10 things here. Uh, to really consider when you're programming for longevity. Uh, let's dive into it. Push to pull ratio. This is something I noticed very early on when I started CrossFit that the overwhelming majority of movements, a lot of times you see in a, a typical Metcon or WOD, uh, are very push dominant. Um, you know, it's not only the, the pushing movements that you're doing, um, like, you know, push ups and even burpees or a, a shouldered overhead movement, uh, handstand push ups. But also when you're stabilizing weight overhead, if you're doing an American kettlebell swing or a handstand push-up, handstand walk, overhead squat, uh, you're, it's, it's very uh, overhead or push dominant. And a lot of times that can lead to uh, wrecking people's shoulders uh, if you're not careful. I mean, uh, really the only true pull you see a lot of times uh, in programming uh, in a Metcon or WAD is a pull-up. Um, but honestly, when you add that you know, kipping or butterfly motion, uh, that changes that to a certain extent. It's not... Uh, necessarily a true pull. So, um, you know, look at it. In other sections of class, if you have uh, that first strength section, how often are you doing pulling movements? Um, you know, dumbbell, kettlebell rows, reverse flies, inverted rows, ring rows, barbell rows. Um, in the wad, you need to pay attention to how many push movements you're programming, not only that day, but throughout the week. Um, and really try to balance that out. It's not only for uh, shoulder health, um, because we need to, you know, always um, strengthen both sides of things, uh, biceps, triceps, chest, back. We need to really make sure these things are evened out to keep the shoulders healthy. But also a stronger back is going to uh, in help your strength in pushing. So um, I always look at when I'm programming throughout the week and over a training cycle, being very conscious of how much overhead uh, pressing and or stabilization and really trying to balance that out. Um, with your pulling movements. So uh, as I mentioned, that first section of class, strength training, or if you're doing auxiliary strength, maybe after the Metcon or WOD, pulling movements are a great thing uh, to incorporate all the time. But even in WODs, um, you can look at you know programming strict pull-ups or uh, rowing is even something that involves a pull, rope climbs, uh, ring rows, cleans, uh, barbell or kettlebell sumo deadlift high pull, um, on and on. So uh, look at, uh, I think it helps to make a list for yourself of all the pushing and pulling movements. So uh, you break those down into two categories. You have vertical presses and vertical uh, pulls, and then you have horizontal presses and horizontal pulls. So 
Something like a vertical press would be, you know, a barbell strict press. Something like a horizontal press would be a bench press. Um, a vertical pull would be a pull-up. A horizontal pull would be like a barbell bent over row. Um, so really look at that ratio of push to pull um, and make sure you are being conscious of that overhead volume, but also balancing that out uh, throughout the, the day and week and training cycle to make sure you keep people healthy um, and keep them coming back. Overhead volume. Uh, we just touched on this a little bit, but uh, it's just worth having uh, another, um, I guess, discussion about it. As I mentioned before, overhead volume involves everything that is, you know, in essence, going overhead. I mean, you have, as we mentioned, those pressing movements, but you also have when you're stabilizing stuff. So um, things like overhead squats, snatch, handstand walks, dumbbell snatch, wall balls, thrusters, um, all those things involve uh, still, you know, having a weight overhead and stabilizing that. Um, so think about every movement and make sure you are paying attention. There, there's movements that sneak in there, like I mentioned, like burpees. That is still a press on the ground. Um, you're still pushing that off. Uh, wall walks, things like that. It's very easy to program a lot of overhead volume uh, if you're not paying attention to it. So uh, once again, we're not only looking at you know balancing that out with the ratio, but make sure you are truly looking um, at every movement to see, hey, is this adding some more volume uh, overhead or for our shoulders uh, so that we're, you know, once again, not wrecking people's shoulders. Day-to-day -day volume. So this is where you need to look at your training week as a whole. Um, I'm an old-school pen and paper guy, and so I like to write out things so I can physically see the whole week laid out in front of me as I'm placing things. Um, this allows you to see uh, your day-to-day -day volume. Um, and we talked about overhead volume, but we're talking about everything here. Um, you know, the upper body stress, lower body grip, squatting movements, hip hinge movements. You know, I like to program so that athletes can come at least five days a week. You know, people that are coming less than that, they're still going to be fine. But, uh, you know, as you uh, get better and your fitness improves and strength improves and, um, you know, training is just as much for our mental well-being as our physical. So um, if you're completely destroying yourself where you can only go to the gym uh, two to three days a week, then, you know, your gains are going to slow and, 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 you know, your mental uh, health can struggle because you're not getting that, that time to go work out and um, get that mental release. So um, I'm a huge fan of doing your own programming. Uh, I really don't like it when uh, somebody's programming for a gym and they're doing their own thing. Um, yes, you can look at it um, and see what you have from a training standpoint in volume on, on different things, but also you know, the best way you're going to find out what that accumulated stress on the body looks like uh, and what it feels like is to do that yourself. So um, when you're going through stuff, you know, how sore are you? Um, how erect are certain body parts and things like that? Um, and, and look, this takes uh, programming is, a, is an art and a science, and it takes some trial and error. And you're, you're going to overreach sometimes. I've done it where um, I, you know, miss something and all of a sudden I'm like, damn, my, my shoulders or my legs are absolutely demolished right now. Um, and so that helps you look back at things and see. Because once again, we want people to continually be able to come to the gym and do this for a long time. Um, and not only that, but to be able to push the acquired or, or desired stimulus in order to get the training returns on that. So uh, if you're constantly wrecked, then um, you can't push as hard as you need to, to to get that stimulus. So it's very important to lay out your training. Um, you know, you can do this on a computer too. I just prefer uh, to have a, a piece of paper so I can kind of move things around easier. But Pay attention to your day-to-day -day volume on different body parts, and um, you know that way you can see that accumulated stress and be able to 
um, separate things enough that certain body parts or things are getting a rest in between uh, so that we can continue to push hard and continue to come back every day. Accumulation from previous days. So we talked about this a little bit in the the day-to-day volume, but um, you you don't really need to pay attention to what is going to be sore or beat up on people um, the day or days before to help prevent a lot of nagging injuries. Um, you know, for an example, programming heavy deadlifts after a day where you just did a shit ton of core or hip hinge movements, you know, that can set people up to, to tweak their back or um, doing high rep pull-ups uh, the day after you had a ton of toes to bar and stuff like that can tear people's hands up quickly. Uh, box jumps the day after heavy volume squats can lead to a lot of uh, eat up shins on boxes and stuff like that. Uh, so once again, if you're doing your own programming, which I highly suggest you should, that way you can really understand what that uh, day-to-day um, feeling is going to be like and what you're going to feel from the day before um, and therefore what you'll be able to do well the next day. Planes of movement. This is something that is missed quite a bit. Um, and it, it takes, I think, more training years under your belt or just more experience to really see stuff like this. But you know, training the, the body as a whole with good balance requires movements on all planes. So um, how often are you programming rotational uh, and or lateral movements? Uh, things like Russian twists or kettlebell windmills or lateral lunges, lateral step-ups, uh, things of that nature. Um, there's also, you know, single leg or single arm movements is a great way to challenge other planes. If I'm only, you know, using one dumbbell, let's say, in a strict press, that challenges my body to stabilize um, differently than when I'm doing, you know, a double dumbbell uh, press. So, um Just be conscious of that. You know, once again, the first section of class is a great um, time to put this in. Um, You could also put this in in wads or metcons, which I do, but um, that can be more challenging at first. And and honestly, some people just aren't used to that. They're used to kind of the traditional uh, CrossFit movements, and I'll talk more about that later of how to mix that up. But the first section of class where we're also, you know, we're thinking about equaling out that push to pull ratio with more pulling, this is a great time to work different planes of movements, get some rotation work in, get some lateral work in so it's not always linear or straight ahead uh, with everything that we're doing. Rep volume control. This is something that, once again, is a little bit more uh, advanced in programming, um, but a lot of times people only think about controlling volume in you know like high rep chipper style workouts um, where you're thinking, okay, I don't want to do you know something like 100 reps of something. But honestly, low rep workouts can be a trap and actually end up adding more volume than, you know, what uh, a higher rep workout would be. So if we look at an example, we'll take a traditional named workout and CrossFit Cindy, uh, that 20 minute AMRAP, five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. If we compare that to something like another named workout called Angie, uh, which is 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 air squats. It's easy to look at, oh, I'm controlling volume, so I don't want to do Angie. I'm going to do Cindy instead. Uh, Only in CrossFit can we say things like that. Um, But if you look at what people are typically going to get scores, I mean, if you look at advanced athletes, they're typically going to get 20 rounds on something like Cindy. Uh, So if you did that, that's 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 squats. While the pull-up number is similar to Angie, the push-up number is doubled and the squat number is tripled. Um, so make sure you're always, you know, walking through the programming, thinking about not only what you've programmed, but how many rounds are people going to get through. And that way you're looking at volume as well. Uh, cause you need to mix this up. It's good to have chipper style workouts for, uh, cause that's a different type of accumulated fatigue when I'm working through, you know, let's say a hundred pushups at a time, as opposed to do only doing sets of 10. Um, 
But, you know, those lower rep workouts can help people who don't have high level skill or high rep skills yet. So only doing five pull-ups at a time uh, could help people. Let's say they can only do 10 in an unbroken set. That helps them be able to do the pull-ups in the workout. But just make sure you're looking, not only looking at the reps that you prescribed in the workout, but look at the time frame or rounds you're prescribing as well to add up the total number of reps. Um, and that way you can control the volume as well. Time domains. The longer the time frame, the higher the volume can go. Um, yes, thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, but seriously, a lot of programming has entirely too many 15-minute-plus workouts. Um, if you have this time to fill in class, then, then interval-based wads are a great way uh, to use more time but also control, control the amount of work. So instead of a 15-minute AMRAP, uh, program three four-minute AMRAPs with one-minute rest in between. Um, this not only controls the volume, but it also challenges athletes to uh, really push the intensity higher since we're doing, you know, that work uh, and then resting. So um, time domains is another thing to consider. Uh, I know, you know, people love CrossFit for how it challenges them. And, and especially when you look at named wads and hero wads and, and you know, people always seem to want to do like the most brutal shit they can possibly do. Um, and I get it. And there's a time and a place for that. But uh, I just see entirely too many workouts that are way too long consistently. And when we talked about, you know, looking at that day-to-day -day volume and, and um, accumulated fatigue from previous days, if you're constantly just doing long, long workouts, um, you are just going to accumulate a shit ton of reps and that's just hard for your body to handle. So uh, be creative with those time domains. Uh, interval training is awesome. Um, for any of us that played sports, but even if you've ever done suicides or anything like that and you get rest, I mean... Those are tough. That intensity is, is very high, and then you get that rest, and you try to repeat it. Um, the other thing those intervals or uh, workouts will do is, you know, they can look at your endurance. You know, how much are you falling off when you're doing multiple four-minute AMRAPs, um, you know, in a session? So um, look at those time domains as well, and um, make sure you're not just programming a ton of long workouts that is just going to accumulate um, a crap ton of volume. Your movement library. Uh, although CrossFit is said to be constantly varied, um, if you look at a lot of programming that's out there, you're going to see the same 20-ish movements over and over again. Um, I know we like to do the traditional CrossFit movements, uh, you know, the, the fun stuff of you know, pull-ups and toes to bar and wall balls and uh, box jumps and things like that. Um, but there's so many different variations that you can use. And once again, we're talking about programming for longevity. So um, even if you use those same 20-ish movements, yeah, you're going to get a decent amount of variety but that only lasts for a year. Um, how do you keep this going? Like I said, for five, 10, 15 years plus. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, different modifications, variations that you can use, um, as well. So, um, instead of burpees, there's nothing wrong with programming lateral hops over the barbell and, um, or, or sorry, sprawls instead of burpees or lateral hops instead of double unders. Um, you can do a single arm kettlebell suitcase deadlift in place of a barbell deadlift. Yes. The stimulus is similar, um, but it's going to challenge the body differently. And now we're not just doing those same movements over and over again. So um, once again, I'm a pen and paper guy and man, challenge yourself, like write down every exercise you can think of. Um, and yeah, that might be time consuming, uh, but I promise you it'll be worth it so that you have other movements to go to. Um, and if you feel like your movement library is not that big right now, like if you did that exercise I just mentioned and you didn't write down very many things, then I mean, hey, uh, honestly, that's an area of opportunity for you as a programmer to learn more. Uh, who can you talk to? What videos can you watch? What things can you read to uh, constantly increase the amount of movements 
that you have in your movement library so you can continually um, you know, stimulate people differently and not just accumulate uh, the same volume with the same movements over and over again. Effort levels. Uh, this is something I see a lot. And, and honestly, I understand it's, it's a little bit difficult, especially when you're newer to it. But uh, it just reminds me of this. Uh, I worked with a group of runners years back. Uh, they usually ran 10K races, which is uh, 6.2 miles. And um, their race pace for those uh, 6.2 miles was, was around 940. Um, so after a few weeks of having them train, um, I noticed that it didn't matter how long the workout was, that, you know, it could be six minutes or it could be 36 minutes. And it seemed they just kind of moved um, at that same pace uh, throughout the workout. So uh, one day I had them come in and, and I said, hey, what, look, we're going to run a mile all out as fast as you can. I want you to empty this out and really see what we can get to. Um, and their time was 925. <laughs> so... One mile compared to six, there should be a, a pretty big difference in what you could do there. And honestly, it comes down to understanding what the stimulus is and knowing what effort level to uh, choose for that. I mean, running is such a great example to use because you can say that. Like, look, if we're going to run six miles, that, that obviously is a much slower pace than if I'm running one mile all out and that's it. So um, I mentioned it earlier, but a, a great way to program this is um, interval-based workouts, but also short workouts. Um, look, you can fill time in class by doing a longer strength section or spending more time going over technique before you do Olympic lifts to, uh, fill a bunch of time. So, you know, you're not getting done with class 20 minutes early because you programmed a shorter, uh, water Metcon at the end, but you also need to be very specific and let them know the why behind the what, um, you know, Hey, this is a shorter workout. So this is emptying it out. This is doing a lot more of these sets on whatever movements we have unbroken. You are pushing the pace as hard as you can um, and emptying it out in these interval-based or shorter workouts. So um, it's typical CrossFit programming, even CrossFit says, you know, you need to have these varying time domains so that um, it should be for working on different effort levels um, so that you don't just end up you know, doing the same um, kind of pace all the time, because you'll find that in shorter workouts, if people are moving at that shorter pace, or, or slower pace, rather, they're going to get done with that six minute workout and be standing there and be like, well, that wasn't very much. Well, anything is hard is as hard or as easy as you make it. I mean, once again, if we use the mile example, yeah, I can jog that mile and it won't be very difficult, or I can sprint my ass off and it's very, very hard. Um, and I'm going to reach a, a, a dark place mentally. So uh, make sure not only you're programming the different uh, time domains, but you're being very specific in instructing athletes um, on what pace they should look to uh, push to in the workout. Can people show up as much as they want to? Um, when you look at your programming, as I mentioned, I mean, I've talked about in other uh, episodes, but consistency is the key and being able to show up consistently um, for, you know, five days a week and, and put in work is your programming set up to allow people to do that? Uh, I mean, when you look around your gym, I mean, yes, I know there are some people that are uh, inconsistent or don't come as much for this, that, or the other. But for those people that want to come, you know, five, sometimes six days a week, can they? Um, or is the day-to-day -day volume accumulated so much that they're just too beat up to do that? Um, there not only is the physical aspect, but, but the mental aspect. You know, if, if every workout is just programmed to be as brutal as possible, uh, that mentally wears on you just as it does physically. Um, I, I've done a, another blog and we'll probably do a, a podcast about it, about the spirit world and what that means and, and when to push to certain uh, levels like that. But, 
you got to make sure that your programming allows them to do that. Um, we preach consistency to people, but if you're constantly just wrecking the shit out of them to where they can't do that, um, that only becomes um, tough on their body. You're going to start getting some nagging injuries that are going to turn into serious injuries if they're not uh, put in check. Um, but also it just starts wearing you mentally that you feel like shit. And so you don't want to train and then that affects you mentally and stuff like that. So um, make sure that your programming is such that the people that want to show up five or six days a week, that they can do that. Um, and there are just numerous ways to go about this. It doesn't mean that you need to have easy workouts or, or recovery days planned in your programming. Um, but if you pay attention to all these things that we've mentioned about push-pull ratio and accumulated fatigue and day-to-day -day volume and all those things, that is going to go a long way to ensure that people can keep showing up every day and putting in work. Going beyond. I've always said that programming CrossFit is easy if you don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, it might sound harsh, but I really think some people use the, you know, quote unquote, unknown and unknowable as an excuse to be lazy. Uh, just drawing random workouts out of thin air is not programming. Uh, programming is an art and a science, and it, and it takes a lot of time and effort to dial it in. Um, you need to have a plan always to what you're doing. Um, going through different training cycles, whether those be four or eight weeks or whatnot, and having a progressive plan uh, that you're taking you people through. That allows you to look you know, at these things we mentioned, day-to-day -day volume and stuff like that. If you're just you know, drawing things out of a hat and throwing them up on the board, uh, you don't know how things are going to accumulate because you're not paying any attention to it. You're just throwing workouts up on the board. Um, I know people once again hear about the hopper that CrossFit talks about and you have to understand the context from which that's in. The hopper is meant to be a test that we put in training. And then, yes, the test is if we do draw something random out of thin air, how do you perform at it? That's what the Open is every year. Uh, that's what CrossFit competitions are for. Um, but the hopper is not a programming guideline, all right? Um, you need to have a plan to what you're doing. Um, you've probably heard it, but look, I mean, Anyone can make someone sweat. Anyone can leave someone in a heap on the floor uh, by just creating someone or some workout that's terribly brutal. But not everyone can consistently make someone better and keep them healthy while they're doing that. Um, so keep all these things in mind. Um, like I said, this is an art and a science. Um, and just uh, put all these things in place so you can program smarter, harder.